Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Good morning, everybody, and welcome on in. It is Fighters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Tobin here with you as the next hour. We'll dive all over the world of mixed martial arts. And boxing. Very excited uh, about this show. Here's what I want to treat this show, okay? Uh, we've all been a very stressed lately. You know, it's been, it's been crazy times as far as the fight fan is concerned and uh, sports fan is concerned and just person is concerned. Um, I don't want to do the COVID-19, should it, should it not be happening, all that type of stuff because, quite frankly, I feel like we've done that show um, you know what, in the six weeks we've been doing this, it feels like I've done that show five times. So, you know, we'll cover it. I, we're going to have two great guests today on the show. Uh, we're going to talk to a guy who's just been barnstorming the heavyweight division. Jarzino Rosenstruck is going to join us. He is taking on Francis Ngannou in just a week's time. Uh, he has been getting ready for this fight here in South Florida. He is uh, the pride of Suriname and a friend of our friend, uh, Tyrone Spong. And Tyrone had some really good words to say last week. Uh, Jarzino uh, liked the, uh, the, the interview on Twitter, so reached out and uh, got a chance to speak with Biggie Boy and got a chance to talk to him before he takes on the Predator next week. So we'll bring that interview to you in just a matter of time. Uh, we're also going to talk to Master Valerie Loretta, the pride of the 305, Miami's own. She's going to join us later on in the program. So we'll touch on the whole COVID-19, what it's like training and all that. But uh, look, man, I, I kind of just want to get to this card. You know, like, let's just let's just throw it back a little bit to let's get down to what this uh, what this what this fights, what these fights are going to be, what this card is, all that tough. Uh, all that stuff is concerned. So. Let's get right down to it, man. So the main event, we got Tony Ferguson taking on Justin Gaethje uh, for the interim lightweight championship of the world. Uh, Tony Ferguson going for the rare second interim championship in his career. Uh, I'm trying to think who the hell else has got that one on their resume. Nothing pops into mind immediately. Uh, did, did Carlos kind of go for two welterweight, interim welterweight championships? I feel like maybe... But either way, uh, this is a, a weird circumstance. Obviously, uh, they're going to get it for a little bit more dough. So that's good about the uh, the interim title. I don't love it, but I don't mind it so much. Um, we got two title fights on this card between this one. Then Henry Cejudo is defending his bantamweight title against Dominic Cruz. Um, 
This is one I have more of a problem with because I really do feel like there are bantamweights who are worthy of title shots, like Aljamain Sterling. You could you could you could argue should be in there. Peter Yan uh, could be could have an argument for in there. And and for some reason, Henry Cejudo is kind of getting this uh, this ride until you get to just take on the old time greats. It's weird. Like he gets to take on Jose Aldo. Okay, maybe Jose Aldo. It's his last ride. Dominic Cruz now is the man he's taking on in this and. You know, Cruz has been out forever and uh, maybe and definitely has claim as the best bantamweight champion ever. So, all right. It's not it's not that it's not sellable. It's just that if you're talking about merit, it's a little bit weird. Like we haven't seen uh, we haven't seen Dominic Cruz now. And we're talking four years, which is kind of crazy that it's been that long since we've seen Dominic uh, in in the octagon. Uh, But, you know, he's been a guy who's been perennially injured. So maybe this is his last ride. I'm not sure. But either way, uh, it's a bit of it's a it's a bit of a weird one. But I'm here for it. We're in weird times, so why not? You got to have fight who you can fight. So these aren't perfect circumstances. This one coming up though, France and Ghana Jarzino Rosa struck. I I can't wait for this fight. I want to start off with this one because this one I can't wait for. And uh, and Rosa struck is going to be our guest of honor coming up soon. So let's just get to it. Uh, this one I'm hoping for fireworks, man. I'm hoping for. An absolute spark plug, spark plug as far as uh, these bouts are concerned. And these are two guys who finish guys in hellacious ways. Rosenstruck, I mean, he had the Hail Mary of knockouts against Alistair Overeem to improve his record to 10-0. And I think really solidified people. You, you beat Alistair Overeem. You don't want to call it a gatekeep scenario because it feels like that's disrespectful to people. But it is the position that Reem finds himself in kind of right now. These guys both have really sensational knockouts over Overeem. Um you know, Francis's knockout against Alex Overeem was a title maker. And if you want to talk about interim titles, uh, we'll talk about this with, with uh, Rosenstruck coming up in just a minute. But I liked the idea that Jarzinho Rosenstruck called out this to be an interim title just simply because I feel like there's a little bit of uncertainty with the heavyweight division more so than any other division. You know, like I feel like Khabib is coming back um, and, and there's that. Um, but with heavyweight, heavyweight is a is a heavyweight is an interesting one because Stipe is steadfast on I'm not going anywhere until uh, my first responder duties are done, which are at which is admirable. Um, but you know he's also a guy where you know you kind of wonder like what else is is there for Stipe? How much longer does he want to do this? Uh, DC DC maybe a little bit more wealth. He's had more big you know money making fights and maybe is a little bit more set in that regard. But if DC wins, I thought his career's over. So if, if his career's over and he wins the championship, which in the majority of the rounds we've seen these guys compete, Daniel Cormier has won the fight. Um, I just feel like it has a bit of an air of uncertainty on it. So I would be I would be cautious with that. Um, I, the only thing you will hope for with this one is it's not a situation like uh, like Derek Lewis versus Francis Ngannou because that was the last. That was the last, like, whoa, heavyweight matchup. Fans were going to be, like, Jones and four. And you just hope these guys aren't kind of circling around each other for the entire time before it actually gets going. Because that that Derek lewis Francis Ngannou fight was hot garbage. Hot, hot garbage. And so we're hoping that it's not going to be a, a repeat of history there. But look, man, uh, Rosenstruck has been on a tear. He really has been. I mean, he is... He has terrorized uh, the division four wins last year, all of them knockouts. Um, he's really burst onto the scene. 
And yeah, the most recognizable name on there for the 32-year-old is Alistair Overeem uh, and, and has beaten him. And then Andre Arlovsky obviously is is well past his prime. But man, uh, it's they, they've been some – it's been highlight-making, highlight-making for Biggie Boys. So, um, you know, I, I feel like and, – and yes, he is, he is my upcoming guest. So I do feel a little bit of sense of, uh, you know – a bias, if you will, because the guy did join us this week. But, um, you know, the way that Tyrone spoke about him last week, the way that um, he's been rolling, he just seems poised to continue this crazy run. Um, now, there is, like, no margin for error because both these guys just throw such hellacious bombs. You don't know. But uh, I'd like – I know that when we've seen Francis get to that big stage, um, it, we have seen him shell up a little bit. And this is a big time fight for him because if he wins this, I think he's pretty undeniable to get back to the title shot. Um, and for Jarzinho, maybe he's not undeniable for the title shot because of uh, maybe people still think it's a little bit too soon. But what is France? France number two. I mean, it's 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 a tough it's a tough argument if if you're not going to give him the title shot. So, uh, but I'm going to go with Rosenstruck. I think he is going to get it done, and I feel like it's going to be early. I feel like he gets it done in the first round. I feel like. I feel like he's going to be true to his word and, uh, you know, it, it's going to be a fun matchup. As far as the main event's concerned, you got Tony Ferguson taking on Justin Gaethje. And in a way, Gaethje, I feel like he benefited from the Disney postponement better than anybody because I felt like coming off that short notice to fight a guy of Tony Ferguson's ilk is crazy. It's not something that normal people do. Not that Justin Gaethje is a normal individual, but it just felt like way too much, too fast, and he's going to get buzzsawed. The fact that he got an extra three weeks, let's call it extra two good weeks of, of training, whatever the hell that means uh, in this day and age, but just an extra two weeks to prepare, figure out a game plan for Tony. Um. I just feel like that's going to make it a more competitive fight than I than I thought early. I thought with these guys, uh, it was probably going to be uh, just a case of it was going to be a case of Tony's just too too sharp a razor right now to go up against. The thing that I do wonder though, um, the thing I do wonder as far as Justin is, can he hit can he hit the ground running a little bit faster? If he could do that, if Justin Gaethje can go out there and really dictate the pace early in this bout, you know, I think he's just got a much better chance than he does. Like, if he could go do what he did against Donald Cerrone, cool. If he could do what he did against Edson Barbosa, cool. What he did earlier on in his career uh, where he ran into some trouble, he just got off to slow starts against really good strikers. Uh, you know, Michael Johnson, he was in a lot of trouble before he wore him down. Eddie Alvarez uh, just got worn down. Same thing with Dustin Poirier. You know, it, it's really when he has put pedal to the metal very quickly that he's gone and had a lot of success. I really still believe if this fight goes out of the first round, I don't think he's got a shot. Um, I think that Tony just gets so much better as the fight goes on. The fight gets more violent. And that's a lot of the ways that Justin Gaethje, who had some struggles in the UFC fought, where he was the guy who tried to fight by attrition. The Justin Gaethje you want to see is the guy who came back off the Poirier loss. You know, the guy who wasn't trying to out-tough everybody. The guy who was going for the kill a little bit earlier. You see that guy, and then I think you're going to have a successful night. 
uh, for 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 Dustin Poirier, uh, for 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 Justin Gaethje, rather. I think that that's that's just going to be leading to a much better road of of success. Um, as far as Tony's concerned, he's got I feel like so many ways to win. It will be interesting to see what happens in the takedown game. We don't we don't see uh, we don't see Justin Gaethje get taken down too often, but when we do, uh, it's more of a more of a wear down type of effect. Um, Tony's so comfortable in the, in the uncomfortable. He, he embraces that. Um, so I'm, I'm ultimately, I'm going to go with Tony Ferguson. Look, Tony Ferguson, uh, may be the one best 155 fighter on the planet and not to MMA math anybody, but I don't, I don't think Justin Gaethje is that. I think that he's an absolute badass and I think he's tough as nails, but he has also, you know, lose, he has lost to the cream of the crop in the division when it came down to, to Eddie Alvarez and Dustin Poirier. I know Eddie's not there anymore, but Eddie was, uh, you know, a reigning champion. Dustin Poirier has been an interim champion, almost beat Khabib. Uh, you know, beating James Vick, super talented. Edson Barbosa has become uh, that that bit of that dreaded word, a gatekeeper. And you know, in a lot of ways, Do- Donald Cerrone has too. And we'll get into to his comments that he had earlier on. But uh, I just don't know if we know that that uh, that Justin Gaethje is is in the words of the Macho Man, the cream of the crop. When it comes to this matchup, so I'm going to go with Tony Ferguson. I'm going to say Tony gets him with a second round submission that he gets him. Like I think that because I and I do think that there's going to be a little of Justin Gates trying to go balls to the wall in in that first round. I think he knows that that's his best shot, uh, especially with Tony being. Uh, if, I guess if you want to call him that, a slow starter, I think that's uh, you know that he he gets better as the fights go damn on. Like, that's just, that's how he is. You know, Donald had a little bit of a tough start. Pettis a little bit of a tough start, but he's almost getting to you quicker in these things. Like, he's he's turning on the pain a little bit faster. And I do think that he's going to have a belt wrapped around his waist by the time that night is over. Now, the question becomes, what then? You know, what what is what is the career become then of uh, of Tony Ferguson? You know, it's going to be, it's going to be uh, an interesting one for sure. As far as we have, um, we have the bantamweight championship, which is Henry Cejudo against Dominic Cruz. You know, it's just one of those things with 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 Cejudo. Um, he's just been in there a little bit more. Dominic's gonna make it weird. I imagine he's gonna be bouncing around all over the place. He's gonna be trying to. Uh, to make it awkward for for Henry Cejudo to strike with him, uh, but he's gotten better at it. Like you have to say that with Henry. Like if you want to talk about just growth overall as a fighter and where his striking has been, uh, knocking out TJ Dillashaw, even if TJ was was drawn to the bottom uh, with Demetrius, he didn't outstrike him. Like he was able to grind his way to that kind of win. Um, it's just tough to picture. It's tough to picture. Any guy who's been out for four years and Dominic Cruz is a, you know, he's one of the, the, uh, true believers in ring rust doesn't exist. Not a thing. That's fine. It's, it's a fine thing to say, whatever gets yourself through it. And he's a no excuses type of guy, but you know, is it really true? Is it something that, that we really could go out there and buy that? He's not going to, that he's got no rust. He's got no qualms about fighting off of four years of inactivity. I don't know, man. It's a big ask. I think it's a big ask of Dominic Cruz for sure. 
Um, with Cejudo, you know, this I think is is it, it, he's he's been very keen on making himself more known, and he's got the win over Demetrius Johnson. He's got the win over T.J. Dillashaw. Um, and he's a two division champion right now. Uh, or he's a, he's a, he's a, he's, he was a two division champion. They took away the flyweight title, which never got, which never got, uh, contested for because of, uh, because of what happened with Joseph Benavidez getting knocked out, even though his opponent missed weight. Um, Figueredo. Yeah. So yeah, from my standpoint, I, I think that, uh, I think that Henry Cejudo is going to get the win. Uh, I could see him making it boring. I could see him. I could see him, uh, you know, grinding out uh, an easy decision. Maybe he even pummels. You know, maybe even pummeling. But I, I kind of feel like this is going to be one of those ones where he's not going to try and stand and trade with Dom. Now, maybe Dom's too slick, too, too, too quick to get out of there. But these are tough times, and I, and I, and I feel like there's such a great advantage for the guys who have been able to train somewhat in normalcy than the guys who are coming off the couch and, and, and have been thrown into this whole blender a little bit quickly. So I don't know, man, I'm not, I'm not buying Dominic Cruz getting the win in that one for sure. I'm going to go with, uh, with Henry Cejudo getting that, uh, Jeremy Stevens, Calvin Cater's awesome fight. You have Greg Hardy. Who's going to take on Jorgen DeCastro. He's going to be back in action. Uh, then we have Donald Cerrone. Donald Cerrone is going to be back taking on Anthony Pettis. Uh, some interesting comments from, from Donald Cerrone. We'll talk about those. We won't talk about the uh, the Donald Cerrone comments and what he had to say in regards to his loss to Conor McGregor. And we'll take a break, be back with a little bit of that. And we, of course, have Biggie Boy, Jarzino Rosenstruck. He is taking on Francis Ngannou next week. So we will talk to uh, Jarzino Rosenstruck coming up next as well. Be back with more Fighters Fury right after this. Welcome back to Fighters Fury, everybody. Tobin here with you. Uh, we've been talking some UFC 249. Got ourselves a normal fight week. I'm trying to treat it as such, even though I know these aren't normal times for sure. So, you know, that's what we're rolling with right now. So we're going to talk to Biggie Boy, Jarzino Rosenstruck. He's going to be coming up in just a matter of minutes. And we'll hear from the top UFC heavyweight contender who knocked out four people in 2019. He's now back in the ring and looking to take out uh, maybe the most intimidating guy in all of the heavyweight division with Francis Ngannou. So looking forward to that conversation. Just want to make a couple other points before uh, we hit our interviews because we got him. We got uh, Master Valley Laredo, the pride of the 305 Miami zone. She's going to join us later on in the show as well. But, um, you know, Donald Cerrone came out this week in an interview with Brett Okamoto, and he discussed the idea of their, uh, you know, just that he didn't show up against the Conor McGregor fight and that he is uh, that he just couldn't explain it two days before the fight knew that he just didn't want to be in there didn't want to uh, didn't want to reform he's got this fight against Anthony Pettis coming up uh, which I find to be a tough fight to pick because I think they're both they're both so, such talents and they've been doing this for so damn long it's hard to know which guy uh, is gonna show up you know outside of uh, you know outside of uh, a couple of standout moments you know since he's been champion. Um, we haven't, you know, we haven't seen the guy who's on the cover of the Wheaties box with, uh, with, with Anthony Vest, but we know that he's, we know that he's capable of things that are sensational. And with Donald, you know, Donald's been, he's got more wins than anybody in history. He's been through winning streaks, losing streaks, all that type of stuff. But he's also been in there with the best of the best, 
Uh, you just wonder. You have two guys here who both need to win, both at a bit of a crossroads. Um, both guys who I don't think are close to retirement, but if you want to talk about them ever having a shot of getting back to greatness, uh, top of the division, yeah, I think it's an important fight for both of them. And Donald talking about didn't want to be in there and, and all that type of stuff. I will say this, like, um, you know, people are talking about, oh, Stephen A. Smith and all that type of stuff, like, Donald's kind of coming out there and he's telling you that Stephen A, Stephen A kind of had it, that he didn't show up and that that wasn't him in there. Um, you know, I know that maybe some people don't like the idea that Donald quit. Um, and I, I don't think that's, there's that case. I think Donald just got his butt whooped. That's all, uh, you know, kind of said that he couldn't get his, couldn't get his bearings, uh, bearings under him. And, uh, that's a, that's a tough one for him, man. That's a, it's a, it's a tough thing, but man, he's just, to me, his career is so Teflon. Um, maybe he'll never get that championship. Probably won't. But Cowboys, Cowboys is one of those guys I just think is going to be bigger than a belt. He's going to be so beloved at all times by UFC fans for what he stood for. For and I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to eulogize guys. He's not dead. But what he's, you know, what he stands for, the way he fights, the way he's anytime, any place, anywhere. He's really about that when a lot of guys just say it. And so you I'll you know, I think everybody should always have love for him, no matter what type of thing. And and God, it's it's such a such a great level of uh, honesty to say things like that. Like, yeah, I legit just didn't have it that night. You know, didn't always feel the uh the best of what it was. So I don't know. The the other thing I want to get to before we get to our interviews today is uh so we got this uh we got this story from ESPN this week from Mark Kriegel and Mark Kriegel was told that negotiations are underway for a potential blockbuster heavyweight title fight between Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua in Saudi Arabia. A um, couple things are interesting about this one uh, Middle East has been, that was one of the rumored places of the, uh, of you, of Khabib versus Tony when that was all a thing. So you wonder when they're trying to, to get this done. Bob Arum came out this week in an interview with Ariel Hawani. He said, at best, Fury versus Wilder can be in October. Um, the other thing that's interesting about this is they're trying to, it says, sources tell Mark Kriegel that MTK is handling negotiations because of a rift between Warren and Eddie Hearn. Frank Warren, uh, one of uh, Tyson Fury's producers, uh, producers, promoters. Uh, sources said the offer to Fury would have a large enough cut to pay Deontay Wilder, who's coming off surgery, to waive his contractual right to an immediate rematch. Fury knocked out Wilder in the seventh round and is tentatively planned for later this year. Sources tell Kriegel that Wilder's team is aware of the negotiations concerning a potential Fury-Joshua fight. However, Shelly Finkel, his longtime advisor, told him that wasn't the case. As far as we're concerned, the next fight is the third fight with Fury. Um, he goes on, he says, because Fury resides in the United Kingdom, there's long been hope that the British Stars would fight, blah, blah, blah. Uh, we're talking to MTK that the fight would take place. Eddie Hearn told ESPN at the moment the main focus is everybody and their contractual situation. So trying to find a way to get out of it. I Look, the way I see this is um, while it would be great to see those two fight, um, I really can't see Deontay Wilder giving up that fight because I think Deontay Wilder's made a lot of money. Um, and I think he'd rather make a lot of money to fight than he would to not fight. Um, because I think either way, I think it, it, uh, I don't think he gets right and gets back into this unless he knocks Tyson Fury out. And 
if anything, if anything, um, maybe the pandemic, the uncertainty, maybe an overconfident Tyson Fury is a guy you can catch with that with that monster right hand haymaker. Obviously, please just wear a towel to the uh, to the ring so as to not tire those legs with the forty five pound uh, costume. But um, from my standpoint, I just can't see it, man. I I, I think that. If I was Eddie Hearn, I'd move heaven and earth to make it happen because I don't. I, there really is nothing else for Joshua to do. You know who you fight? Pulev. No disrespect, but like Joshua has kind of all the names that it would be under. The only guy I think would interest me a little bit would be him facing Jarrell Miller, who's a, his original opponent. Um, I like that fight, and I think Jarrell Miller presents problems for Anthony Joshua, especially after what we saw with. Uh, with Andy Ruiz, I think Jarrell Miller's an even more even more of a tank, throws even more punches. Um it's bigger, way bigger. So, you know, that's just a case of if, if Joshua's gonna give him a shot because of all the, the drugs that were in his system. So I can't see it. I think that Deontay Wilder uh is gonna fight Tyson Fury next. I wouldn't move aside for anything. Um you know, I mean, I guess the question is like, you know, could, if it comes down to Deontay Wilder's not going to fight in the midst of the pandemic and they can find a place that's going to agree Tyson Fury to fight, could he agree to fight Anthony Joshua in Saudi Arabia? Uh, even if Deontay doesn't have the connect there, can he fight Joshua in Saudi Arabia and then fight Deontay Wilder? You know, would Deontay Wilder just sit and wait and let those two have it? Because I, I guess the way it could be, it could be like this. Look, could they convince Deontay Wilder you just get to fight the winner? Um, because if you're Deontay, let's say Anthony Joshua does go beat Tyson Fury. Um, I still think that people will be into watching Deontay fight Anthony Joshua. And if anything, um, because Joshua's got, uh, a little bit of, uh, a little bit of porcelain in that chin and chin, and, uh, you got the biggest knockout artist there is in the heavyweight division. I think with all that considered, uh, you could, you could convince Deontay Wilder, uh, hey, you just get the straight up shot, whoever it is. If they end up fighting uh, earlier, if, if if it still can happen this year, I don't think he's gonna. I don't think he's gonna turn it away. I don't. I don't. I don't think he's gonna turn it away. But if they could get creative like that, where he's just the straight up guy in waiting, uh, and you know, let's say Fury and Anthony Joshua are willing to fight, um, you know, that that'll be an interesting one. You know, they, but they both have both have obligations. Like, Wilder, you know, uh, Joshua doesn't want to lose a belt. Fury wants to stay within his uh, contract. So, listen, it'll be uh, it'll be an interesting one to follow along. But for now, reigns up in the uh, reigns up as a bit of a mystery. All right, let's get to our first guest for today's show. This guy's the number six UFC heavyweight on the planet right now. Uh, maybe higher. Maybe he should be higher ranked the way he's been steamrolling fools. But he's a crazy person. He called out Francis Ngannou after his last win over Alistair Overeem. Nobody calls out Francis Ngannou. Uh, he trains down here in South Florida. He is the he is a native of Suriname, like our boy Tyrone Spong. We spoke of this guy a little bit last week. Jarzino Rosenstruck. He is uh, trying to vie himself, put himself into contention for the heavyweight title. And he gave us some time this week before his UFC 249 heavyweight showdown. And this is our conversation. Very excited to talk to my next guest. One of the best heavyweights on the planet, Jarzino Rosenstruck. Thank you for the time, man. Really appreciate it. Thank you. 
Of course, man. Thank you for having me also. Has, uh, you know, to start things off, I, I was speaking with uh, a fellow Suriname native of yours, Tyrone Spong, uh, last week. Um, and, you know, I've known Tyrone for, for a little bit now, a couple of years. And I remember, her, you know, seeing your rise, I remember seeing him in one of, uh, it was, it was, I was like, I recognized the flag immediately. Cause I, I, you know, gone seen him box down here locally in West Palm and called a bunch of his fights. So I was like, Whoa, I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. You don't, you don't see the Suriname flag very much. Um, and then I saw him for one of your fights on this hot roll. He was in your corner. So, um, just kind of butting off of that, that relationship that you guys, uh, had, he spoke so highly of you last week. Um, proud of your success uh, and really happy to see what, what kind of levels you've risen to in the UFC. Where does that all go back to? Uh, now, me and Tyron, uh, we go way back. He's a good friend of mine, also a mentor. He helped me uh, during my preparation also. And, yeah, the, you know, I do what I do, and, yeah. Where did, uh, like, when you say he's a mentor, like, what was uh, – was he a guy that you saw his success early or did he see you in a gym? Like how did the, the meeting occur uh, as far oh, as your, your relationship? Uh, oh, in, uh, in Suriname, he went to a gym one time to train. I was like the age of 17 and I boxed one time with him and then yeah, it, go, it goes, but it was really a connection right there already. And then I went to the Netherlands, meet him there. And of course I saw his success. I saw his success. Um, he was the man already. He was famous already and win all those big fights. And then we became friends. And all those years, I'm talking, I'm, I'm talking about back uh, 14 years, 13 years wow. ago. Yeah. And I was used to fight in the Netherlands and he's coaching me, teaching, um, teaching me, mentor me also, give me a lot of uh, advice. And now he's in Florida and I'm joining in Florida and now I'm in the UFC and he, He's keep doing the same thing, be a good guy, be a good friend. Every good friend should do that. And I'm happy I have a guy as Tyrone yeah, with me in my corner and be by my side in life, how, especially how, in my career. Yeah, man. How crazy is uh, – are you surprised by this burst onto the scene that you had? Uh, because uh, this has been a wild year for you. Everybody talks about the fast rise, the, the monster knockouts, and you're getting ready for a big pay-per-view fight coming up against Francis Ngannou. Did you see all of this uh, this coming, or is it finally uh, opportunity? I guess you know presenting itself. What, what do you make of of you in this last year of, of how much of a, a rocket ship has been on your back almost? Honestly, I didn't see it coming. Uh, but everything in my life goes this is like a surprise. I get this big opportunity, and I put my best interest in it, and yeah, I get I get success, and yeah. Where did uh, you? I'm happy. What uh? What made you call out Francis? Like, did you did you just feel like it was time, no time to waste? Like, let's go and make a fight like this happen. Because when everybody thought it, all the fans were like, "Whoa!" I mean, that's a monster fight already. Uh, but but you seem so confident already. You've been you were steamrolling fools. You had the dramatic uh, end of fight knockout against Alistair, who's you know obviously a, a top notch guy. Everybody knows Alistair Overeem. Um, but to, to call out a guy like Francis Ngannou seems crazy. Nobody calls out Francis Ngannou. That's 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 nuts, my friend. That's true. Uh, the thing is, um, he he is in the position of the spot we needed. So right now he's number two. I need that spot to get the title shot, and that's the guy to beat to get a title shot. And yeah, he's the, the he's the right guy in the wrong place. And yeah, I need it. So I call you out. You accept. Let's dance. 
that's how I think. Me and my team, me and my team think the same way. And yeah. Have you um? How how has this been for you? Obviously, we're in a weird time right now, with uh, with what's going on. And this fight was supposed to already happen. How have you? Has it been okay handling it mentally and physically with the training? Because I imagine this is a tough environment uh, to get ready for a fight in. And obviously, seemed like the fight was going to happen uh, a few weeks back. Uh, then it got postponed. Then it's then you think you guys are going to go fight in California. They postponed that, and now it's happening in in Florida. Can you take me kind of take me and the audience through the ride it's been for you as far as getting rid of uh, as getting ready for a fight in the middle of a uh, a pandemic and so much change going on? Like you're usually, I'm sure you want things on routine and on schedule. Yeah, for sure. Actually, it didn't it didn't affect my training a lot. Uh, it only stopped my fight two times, and I hope the third time they say three times is uh, straight in a row. Then it it should happen. But it didn't affect my my training a lot because. Uh, the thing is, American top team make groups for us so we can train several times. I train in the morning, like 10 o'clock. I train 45 minutes, and then other group come in and they do the, they do the training 45 minutes. And so we're going through the day. So um, we we still have the option to do the camp. Uh, it was a little bit frustrating that the fight didn't go through, but actually, actually I I keep myself calm and and yeah. Uh, it's out of our hands, even the UFC. So the thing is, keep calm, stay focused. Don't let anything disturb your focus. And soon as it can happen, and yeah, it's going to happen. And the thing is, I was always staying fit, do my training, and I'm ready. There's not a lot of changes for us. Because the thing what I do, if I am in a camp, I don't go, go out a lot. I just go to the gym, come back home, eat, sleep, train again. And so we keep doing the only thing I do maybe is going to a movie, uh, only that. So for us, it's not a big change. Right now, we can go to the movie, but uh, always being ho- being home. So the quarantine, is, is it doesn't affect me a lot. Now, you called for this to be for an interim title. And uh, I'm not normally like a big interim title guy, but I actually think that your call out made a lot of sense because – the heavyweight title is in a little bit of a weird spot because especially if, if Cormier ends up beating Stipe, he's, I, I thought he's retiring. So it feels like that title would just kind of be off to, to go in the distance anyway. So I felt like if you want to talk about like the next generation of the heavyweights, you guys kind of being that next start, I like the idea. What, what made you think that that would have been uh, a good idea for the fans? Because when you, when it, you know, sometimes when people call for interim fights, it, it, you know, fans get like, oh, their eyes roll. But I actually kind of like was peaked. I said, it kind of makes sense for, for, for you guys to do that for, for like that next wave in case DC ends up winning the belt uh, against Stipe and then going off into the sunset. Yeah, first, first I saw it as this. Um, the card with Khabib uh, had a bit struggle. And yeah, I see. Uh, for me, it was like um, the UFC couldn't find a way, so I helped them think. And the second one is the the, the heavyweight division needed, because the so as you say, the 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 steepy fight and the DC fight is a little bit stuck. The champ doing is in, is not in a rush to come back <clears throat> to fight DC, so we don't know when's got gonna, when's that gonna happen. So if you make the interim fight now, so you know what's gonna come next. So you know, for us, is is is. We need that. The heavyweight division is stuck, and I'm I'm here to be champ. So that's why I put all this hard work, win my fights, go through all this, all those things, you know. So be uh, beat this guy. Have to wait till the champ fight against DC and then fight against me. 
it's long. So for me, it makes sense. Bring him into the title. Let us work it out, and we know what's going to come next. What um? How do you envision this fight? Uh, like these, everybody looks at you two guys, and you guys obviously knock mother bleepers out. That's what you do. You you know you put on a show. Everybody wants to see you finish. But you know sometimes when these crazy matchups of two big knockout artists happen, it feels almost like a waiting game. How do you how do you picture it going down? Like, do you think it's fireworks immediately? Are you not sure what to expect from Francis? What what uh, what, what goes into your mind when you when you picture this out in, in your game planning for it? Now, for me, I know exactly what to expect. And for me, yeah, I go in the fight. Um, I don't wait for anything. I know what to do, know when to do. So it's firework for me. I think it's firework, 100%. What, um, how, was, how was going home? I saw that you put, you put up some YouTube videos of you going home to, to Sudanam. What was, uh, what was that experience like? And what has the feedback been like now that you're like, big UFC star on the brink of a, a championship. Is it, is it different? Is it humbling? How does it, how does it feel going home, being more recognizable to the world? Nah, it's crazy. Uh, it's nice. Um, the feedback is, it's a lot. Uh, if a children see me as a role model, um, yeah, it's crazy. Everybody want to talk to you. Give me a minute, take a picture. It's nice. But the thing is, I always, I'm a humble guy. I'm always relaxed and yeah, I give I give the attention till I can. I think uh, let me take a rest and then I take a couple of steps back. But long as I can, I give you a little bit of attention. That's it. Is it is it weird at all? Like uh, you know the place like coming back more known? Is it uh, like the a people little, that people that little, knew you when you were young now see you as like uh, this 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 star? It's it's got to be uh, mind blowing to you. It is, but I try to keep myself calm and long as I can. So. It is a little bit weird, but I think I can handle it. We got a rough day here in South Florida. Obviously, everybody always says weather. Do you have a favorite part of living in South Florida other than the weather? Is, is there something that stands out for you? Nah. Just like South Florida, I like the weather. Sometimes it's a little bit trouble, but it come around. It will come around. How do you see? Uh, how do you see it going down? May 9th, uh, UFC two forty nine available on pay per view. Everybody, uh, go check this out. Finally, we're gonna get some sports. Uh, you know, Judge, you know, we're all very excited for it. Um, how do you see it going down? I knock him out one hundred percent. Don't 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 blink. That's what I want to say. I appreciate the time, my friend. Thank you so much. Uh, all the health to you. Uh, I know there's been a lot of craziness, but you seem like you're handling it uh, very cool and collected. So uh, we're looking forward to the matchup, and we look forward to it on on uh, May 9th. Thanks so much for the time. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me, and be safe out there, and I appreciate your time also. Have a great day. You too. Take care. Thanks to Jorgino Rosenstruck for joining us. We really appreciate it from Biggie Boy. When we come back, Master Valley Lareda. The pride of the 305 Miami zone, the Taekwondo master, the Bellator fighter. She is 2-0 and is now kind of on the sidelines like the rest of the world because of this pandemic. So we will talk to her, catch up with her, see what she's been doing uh, since starting her pro career. Valerie Lareda joins us next. All right, welcome back. Very excited to be talking to our next guest, the pride of the 305, Valerie Lareda, decked in her her Marlins jersey, which is a, which is a great yes. look for the, for the, for the Miami uh, – for the Miami audience, Valerie. So thank you very much for giving us some time. How you been doing? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here and just we're in quarantine. So this is all we could do, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's got to be nuts uh, for you. Uh, I've been talking to a bunch of athletes. You guys are such creatures of routine. 
how has been training in all of this in the in the in the pandemic and and trying to keep yourself in shape and keep yourself right well what um what happened to me is kind of different because i was on the show exatlon on telemundo and on that show i was three months isolated from the world no phone no communication no going outside no stores no nothing so i had to adapt on that show so honestly i feel like i'm in quarantine like i was on that show right so i used that experience from that show to make me better you know i'm quarantined here and i've been doing my best also like i've just been focusing on recovering from the injuries i have that i wouldn't be able to if i was still active like training the same way as before but just keeping my weight down um being active you know uh doing things that i wouldn't do before getting closer to my family and just enjoying this time we have off so um this time the, the time that's the same reality show that like Masvidal and uh, Yoel have been yeah. on what is that yes. what, what is that experience like the whole uh the whole reality show thing It was the hardest experience of my life you know since I was 3 years old I've been doing taekwondo martial arts so I competed in obstacle courses I have to adapt to living in a galanya uh living in the middle of nature you know no no hot water no coffee no communication no phone for 3 months so it was a once in a lifetime experience that honestly made me who I am today and just allowed me to mature in certain ways that I hadn't realized before and honestly I use it now and it's made me a better person and fighter. Uh, yeah, cuz I've I've interviewed uh Masvidal since he's been on that show. He said that was a real like game changer for him being to unplug from everybody. We're all so plugged in with everything and the the apps never stop, you know, Twitter, Instagram, all that type of stuff. Did you feel any of that? Any of that like just nice being detached and did you feel different mentally from going through that? Yeah, I mean definitely it's isolation and more than anything it makes you appreciate the little things in life that you wouldn't realize before. Something as simple as hitting a bag, you know, I had to hit the back the trees, you know, like just little things that you're like, wow, I'm so grateful for what I do and it makes you just love it more because you just miss it so much. It just makes you so much more hungry. So I'm just dying to fight cuz I got back from the show had 2 months and now we're in quarantine so whatever it's all I could do but I'm just staying fit, staying active, keeping my weight low so whenever I get back home I'm ready to fight. How was how was uh, last year for you as far as, you know, making your pro debut, uh having great success, um, you know, Miami Miami kind of fell in love with you because you had the big shout out after your your Bellator debut. <laughs> um so like what was it like from a recognizability standpoint? Like did life feel like it changed or is it still kind of the it does it feel kind of the same? Um So last year I look at it I did a lot right so I had two fights and from there I filmed a reality show and um I told everybody 2019 was going to be my year you know I fought I opened a main card for my pro debut and my second fight was in the Madison Square Garden I couldn't ask for anything more and that fight in the Madison Square Garden I got a lot of ring time which really like I really needed that ring time in a cage um it's so important i can't get that anywhere else and then from there i went to film the show so when i look back at last year i'm like damn i wish i would have fought three times but i'm like no valerie you did two fights two huge fights and from there you filmed the show which is my dream because at the end of the day i'm a martial artist since i was young but i'm also i also have my degree in broadcast journalism and i love entertainment so that's the other part of my life that i love so my goal every year is to do three fights and to film a small gig so i'm proud of myself what i did last year um from 20 to 21 years old and this year you know haven't been able to do much but I'm going to try to fight at least um two to three times this year and just just keep going up from here 
you got your degree in broadcast journalism. So like, what did you, what do you want to yeah. do? Like, do you want to be in radio, television? Oh. What's the, what's, what's the dream gig? Um, I've always loved TV since I was young. You know, my dad used to have a, show, a, a segment on a show um, every morning with me where I would do martial arts. From there, I filmed a stunt double for a movie one time and then Exatlon was reality TV. So I learned a lot more about the production and I love broadcast journalism. I love journalism in general. I love packaging stories. I love vision telling. I love, like, I, it's my brand. So I, I know how to portray it to the world the way I want to, you know? So I just want to find a way to incorporate um, my other talents because obviously fighting always comes first, but my other talents and just use it in my martial arts because at the end of the day, I'm doing this because I want to change the world and show the world how my parents made me crazy. <laughs> do you, uh, like, how, how do you, um, how do you deal with that? Because you, you're definitely a very ambitious person. You seem like you got, like, you, you, uh, you know, you've got the, the television broadcasting that you want to do. You are an excellent fighter and off to a great career and, you know, you have a ton of social media followers. Does it, is it hard to let, like, is it hard being in these, in this time and day and age? Cause you have all these people trying to, you want you just focus on fighting, focus on fighting, get in the ring. Um, how do you, how do you deal with all that? Knowing that you can handle anything you want to handle in, in a lot of various different places. I mean, my parents raised me since I was young to be an elite martial artist. And at the same time, I was always very disciplined with school with my, other activities with dancing, which is another passion of mine. So my parents kind of molded me in this that it doesn't matter what school always came first. And that discipline, I kind of take it into my career now because my career now comes first and everything else comes second. But there's no problem with when you're off camp doing side activities. You know, that's how you don't get tired of something. You know, if I would just martial arts all the time, I would drive myself insane. But I also do my other talents, my other passions, because they don't take away from my sport. They only benefit me, you know? And at the end of the day, I feel like I'm the only one that could do it. I'm the only one that can handle it. I'm 21, I'm turning 22 now. And what I've done at my age is, is huge, and I'm, I'm not stopping. Uh, as, far, as far as this, I saw this on Twitter from you. You said you went just now three days, no food, no coffee. Why would, yes. somebody, why would somebody do that to themselves? That sounds terrible. Okay. You know why I did it? I did it because I haven't fought since before Exatlon. Okay. And when you cut weight, you kind of go through that mental battle, right? Because you're, you're eating small portions of meals a day. And it's just a mental battle. And I haven't done it in a while. And I do it to test myself. I do it to keep myself accountable. And I do it, okay, you need, well, not that I need, but I'm like, okay, I'm going to do a three-day detox because it kind of simulates what I go through when I cut weight. And um, I'm very disciplined. My problem is, my problem is, is I, I'm either super disciplined or I could be the other way. And during this quarantine and throughout the show, I learned my balance in the middle that has made me happier and healthier because I've been cutting weight since I was young. So now I'm at that stage where, you know, now I can do my three-day detox. I don't binge after like other fighters do after to make weight. You know, I, I, I made it a point. Okay, I did my three detox, no food, no coffee. I haven't gone without coffee for a long time, but... You're not going to go crazy eating. You're going to control it. Like if you're cutting weight, you know, I do it just to simulate a fight because I know quarantine is coming to an end and I know a fight's coming and I got to be ready mentally and physically. That's uh yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a pretty sound thing to do. Uh, as far as your, yeah. as far as the, the fight game is concerned, what's the buzz? Like when do you, uh, I talked to Matt Mitrion last week and he said, uh, you know, he was cool with not doing it, but he's like, I want to fight in June. I want to get going. What about you? What's, uh, what, what, it, what have you heard from your team and whatnot about when you and Bellator might get cranked up again? So I was supposed to fight June 6th in Chicago. That was the goal. But um, unfortunately, I think that's canceled. 
So I think um, everything's going to be up and running by July, early July. So that's my goal. And, uh, you know, I'm close to my weight. I'm only like 15 pounds off, 12 pounds, 15. I fluctuate. So although I haven't been training as intensely um, MMA-wise, you know, it's, it's my natural born talent. I know when I get in there, it's just something that comes out of me. And for as much as I train, what I do in the cage, it just transforms. And I'm just ready. To, like, I'm just anxious to fight. I have to get my aggression out. Have you, uh, have you gotten to binge anything good on quarantine? Anything, uh, any, any good television shows, uh, good books, any new hobbies picked up? Well, I've been reading these books, like, uh, uh, uh the badass ones. Have you seen them? Nope. Well, they're, they're good. I, so I've been reading those books. I've been tanning a lot. Um, I, I got into yoga, like meditation, because I have a lot of anxiety because my brain is overwhelmed by so many things I want to do. And when I'm not doing it, I just get overwhelmed. So I learned, okay, I need mental breaks. I need to take time for myself. And really, I just learned my balance with food, with life, my family, with my relationships. And I'm just in a good place right now. And I'm ready to fight. Well, I know Miami's excited to see you back in action. So thanks so much for coming. Oh, and I yep. moved back to Miami. Did you? You're out of Broward now? Yes. Because I was in Coconut Creek for a year, for two years, and I learned, you know, like I miss my culture a lot. Yeah. You know, I miss being around my culture, and I could drive there because I was driving back and forth from Coconut Creek to Miami to see my mom and stuff. I'm like, I could drive in the mornings, I could carpool with other people within Miami, and I can live in my culture, which is this is what motivates me. My my conditioning coaches are here. It's it's my passion. It's like everybody here is Cuban and Hispanic. And I just need to be around that because it fuels me and it's my motivation because I just want to represent us all. Absolutely. No, I definitely can understand <laughs> that. My wife is Cuban. So uh, oh, we're, <laughs> we're always we're always hopping on over to uh, to the in-laws because that's she needs that same thing. You know, it's very uh, so yeah. I understand where you're coming from on that. Uh, thanks so much for spending time with us. Really appreciate it. All the good health to you. We can't wait to see you back in action and uh, we'll do it again down the line, hopefully. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you for having me, and stay safe. That's our show for this week. Thanks so much to Valerie for joining the show. Thank you to Jarzino Rosenstruck for joining the show. Hopefully, everything goes smooth this week. We'll have some fights to talk about next weekend. We'll have UFC 249, a complete recap for you guys. Everybody stay safe out there. We love you, and we will talk to you guys next week. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.